0: Talking this morning on the theme of hope calling it hope unlimited and um, there are three things that we have to have in our lives for us to be healthy people emotionally physically spiritually healthy people and these are found in a scripture passage that's familiar to many of you in 1st Corinthians the 13th chapter which is the love chapter. I'm just taking some verses from that and this is how it reads 1st Corinthians 13:6. love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes always perseveres now we see but a poor reflection is in a mirror then we shall see face to face now I know in part then I shall know fully even as I'm fully known he's talking about the end of time and now these three remain Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is like a trilogy of virtues, faith, hope, and love. and these are not things you just fall into. These are like solitude that we talked about last week. These are choices. I have to choose to trust, choose to hope, choose to love. but these are good things. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, "Let me see faith, hope and love, boy, are those crummy. Nobody says that. What, what we look at is that we look at what makes that work, and hope. Is a key part. We talk a fair amount here about love and hopefully try to walk that out. We talk about trust a lot. But when we talk about hope, it's looking at trust and love in a different way. What biblical hope isn't is this. It's not luck or chance or roll of the dice. Hope is not Jiminy Cricket singing when I wish upon a star. It's not that. It's not even optimism. I mean, it is. Hope is optimistic, but it's optimism rooted in something. It it isn't, say, well, that guy's hopeful. He's like a half-full glass guy. He sees the glass half-full. I love what Cosby says about this. He said, you know, we debated, is the glass half-full or half-empty for two or three days in philosophy class at Temple University, he said, when he was in school in Philadelphia. Couldn't figure out. One day, he just went home and said, Granny, is the glass half-empty or half-full? His granny looked at him and said, well, Billy, I suppose that depends on whether you're drinking or pouring. I just thought I'd throw that in just as a, I don't, I don't like know if there's a Bible verse for that or anything. I just thought it doesn't. But hope is a part of a love-trust package. If you think of overlapping Olympic rings, love cannot exist without trust. Love cannot exist without hope. Trust and hope and love are linked together in a powerful way. Listen to how Paul says it in First Thessalonians. He's writing to this church in the, uh, up in the upper Mediterranean area in Greece. And he says this, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, okay, you say, you've, you've, you've told me what it is, and what is hope? In a, in a practical sense, hope is confident expectation. It has to do with anticipation. If you're going to write something down, I know you got a blank page today. We did that on purpose. Sometimes you just throw that in just to be me. But confident expectation, that's what hope is. And it's grounded in some history. There's a passage in the Old Testament where the Israelites have been fighting the Philistines and they have gotten thumped by the Philistines twice. They they stole some of their key things like this thing called the Ark of the Covenant that's at the heart of, of Israel's worship system. The Philistines got a hold of that. And then finally they beat the Philistines. They get it back. And in first Samuel, the seventh chapter in the 12th verse, this is how it reads. Then Samuel, he's the he's the prophet took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen. He named it Ebenezer, that's the English pronunciation, saying thus far has the Lord helped us. Literally, literally Ebenezer means the stone of help. It's a place of memory. So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israelite territory again. And throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to her. Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the power of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. The stone of help. It's putting a stone in the ground, as it were, and saying, looking back... I see the power of God in my life looking back this is what I've seen him do in in our jargon we call that witness it's a testimony to something that has happened I have a friend back in DC who was a um, was a chief of staff to a congressman and and he was dying and uh, I went to see him a few days before that happened and walked in and he was in hospice care and he was skeletal His name was Charlie White I've told you his story before but I walked in and he said dick you know, his, his, his body was skeletal, but his spirit was just vibrant. I mean, he was just alive. And he said, Dick, tell me that piece again that, that when I die, I'm absent from the body and present with the Lord. Like, how does that work? And I said, Charlie, I, I don't know. I, I haven't done that part yet. I don't know how that works. But everything that I've done to this point in terms of what God says, if I'll obey him and do it, it's worked, it's true, I found it's true, so there's no reason not to believe that the other things that he says are not true. The stone of help looks back, trust looks back, and helps me hope. It's it's interesting because confident expectation, the word faith is embedded in that word, confident means with faith, I expect, that's what hope is. Secondly, hope is necessary to life Viktor Frankl was an Austrian psychiatrist famous in Vienna he and his wife and his parents and others were arrested by the Nazis in 1942 and sent to concentration camps his parents and his wife both died in concentration camps he survived Auschwitz and he said in a book that he wrote called the meaning of suffering that if people can't find meaning when they're going through difficulties they give up hope and they die listen to how he says it the inner hold a prisoner has on his spiritual self relies on having a faith in the future and that once a prisoner loses that faith he's doomed he said at one point that when people who were relatively healthy in concentration camps if they gave up hope they were dead in 48 hours because hope is this powerful, God-designed thing. And for us, ultimately, hope is a person. Ultimately, hope is a person. In Colossians 1, and I won't put the verse up, 125, 27, it talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope's a person. And when he's in you, it automatically makes you hopeful automatically you say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I wouldn't hope in too much this week. I'm just telling you, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And my simple fourth way of thinking about things is like a rubber band. Ultimately, ultimately, I want to be with him. And that's my next point. But ultimately, I want to be with him. and It's like when I get old and weary or something happens, my body falls off. They say Foth died and I'm automatically connected to him. I'm spring loaded, if you will. There, there is this idea that it's not because of me, I hope. It's because of him. He's the one who paid the debt. He's the one who lays the foundation. He's the one who promises a hope and a future. Fourthly, ultimately, I want to be united with that person. Again, Paul speaking to the Thessalonians. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. This is chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who, who fall asleep. That means die. Or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope we believe that jesus died and rose again and so we believe that god will bring with jesus those who have fallen asleep in him don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope when someone dies who's close to you we grieve that's the human condition that's what we're supposed to do and scripture affirms that it just says don't grieve inconsolably at some point your grief needs to be consoled and the way it's consoled is the fact that we hope in him I flew into uh, Denver airport last night about midnight yesterday. I participated in the memorial service for a dear friend that I met in 1989. Sometimes you meet people by who by their presence or their connection or whatever, change the trajectory of your life. Warren Carter was that for me. He was a, a rancher, a realtor in Bakersfield, California city leader. And I spoke at a conference, For Youth for Christ Campus Life. We work with high schoolers in 1989 in Palm Springs. And at the end of the time, this big guy, he's 6566, he came up to me and said, Dick, you belong to such and such a denomination, right? He said, you're president of Bethany College, right? He said, you're here for Youth for Christ. I said, right? He said, you didn't talk about any of that stuff. All you talked about was Jesus. I said, well, he's the main deal. And uh, he said, there's a group of people that I want you to meet. And he invited me to a conference on the coast of California a few months later. And at that conference, he connected me with people in Washington, D.C. And a year later, two years later, when we left the college where I was and we went to D.C., it was because of Warren Carter. So he played a big role in my life. He and his wife, Lenore, had been married for 54 years. She died 20 months ago. And now here we are 20 months later. And uh, they were those kind of people, you know, you've, you've been married so long you start looking like each other. Hopefully he started looking like her because she was way cuter than he was. But, but, the, but the point is, the point is that like Warren and Lenore Carter was one word. And yesterday, 350, 400 people showed up on a Saturday morning in Bakersfield, California. From people who were sort of off the streets to the president of Cal State University, Bakersfield. And when Warren found out he had this cancer, the 1st the of March, it was stage 4 liver lung pancreatic cancer. He called me and said, you know... Um, It's okay. It's all right. My hope's in Jesus anyway. I want to see Lenore anyway. This is good. It's not bad, is it? Which is a little different, you know. I flew out to see him and we're sitting there. And hope gives you a wicked sense of humor if you're not careful. And he said, I was sitting there. He said, now, Foth, you spoke at Lenore's service. You did great. It was great. But, I, you know, there were a couple of things I think you probably, you could have gotten a little better. So I'm going to give you another run at it. That's the way he invited me to help in his service. (laughs) But his hope was in the Lord. His hope was in the Lord. So the fear of death gets eroded when your hope is in the Lord. But the question is, what now? What do we do now? Hope now. Hope is the fuel in our lives. Hope makes us want to get up in the morning. It just does. Emily Dickinson who was a poetess in Amherst, Massachusetts, back in the middle 1800s, wrote it this way. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Jesus, says it more profoundly even. I like what what she says, but I like Isaiah better. Do you not know, Isaiah 40, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Let me show you how that works. Catch the video.
1: On a pretty normal Saturday in 1987, Rich Dixon climbed a ladder to
0: install some Christmas lights. Things didn't quite go as planned. He didn't expect the fall, the injury, or the chaotic hours in the emergency room. He didn't
1: anticipate life in a wheelchair. He didn't imagine that he'd confront a life-defining choice when he discovered that he couldn't move his first chair ten feet. He could have accepted the challenge and trusted God's faithfulness. Instead, he chose to
0: believe that his life was over. Rich wasted a decade crying out to God, demanding answers he couldn't hear. He saw only the little blue guy, handicapped, useless, helpless, worthless. He knew those were lies, but knowing didn't help much. Would you welcome Rich, Becky, and Monty Dixon. So, so Rich has been around a while. He taught 30, 35 years, a math teacher at junior hires over at Bolts Junior High here in Fort Collins. And uh, in the years following this uh, fall from the roof, there were some pretty tough times, ups and downs, and they're recorded in this book. If you've not read this book, it's available out at the bookstore. It's a wonderful book called Relentless Grace. But now you're into something else you've done the book thing what are you doing rich talk to us about what you're doing
1: well, it i'm just going to take a bike ride
0: Going to take a bike ride, a bike ride like yeah. where
1: uh... fifteen hundred miles on a hand cycle down the length of the mississippi river
0: fifteen hundred miles hand cycling the Miss. well that's what i get up thinking about most every day why don't we just hand cycle down the mississippi River? let's go from lake itasca minnesota to new orleans and see how that works well, I, I got to tell you, this sounds a little nutso. I, I, you know, I just, just between us as friends. What, why?
1: Well, inspiration and insanity have a lot of the same letters. In well, all. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a dream of mine for a long time to do a ride like this. And as I started taking it seriously, this is one of those years when my age ends in a zero. Yes. Some of you know about those. You've had a few of them. You start realizing that you're not going to get a lot more of those. So I decided it was time to do it. And as we talked about it, we decided we ought to share it. Share it with you and share it with people along the route. And so a big part of the goal of this ride is not just to do the ride, but it's to share the accomplishment of a big dream with All the people that we encounter along the way to talk to people who might be lacking some of the hope we've been talking about this morning. And we believe that sharing a big dream is one way to help them find out that they can still dream God-sized dreams and pursue them.
0: So this is a journey of hope. That's what you're calling it, journey of hope. It's to help people in situations that are unexpected like yours. It's to talk to folks in churches and service groups and so forth. But there's another very cool piece to this. Tell us about that.
1: Well, Convoy of Hope is an organization a lot of you know about and they've agreed to partner with us. So we're raising money along the ride for their children's feeding initiative. Uh, Convoy is is an amazing organization. They can feed a child for $50 a year. and when you add to that the fact that, that we're a part of an initiative where they have some corporate sponsors that are matching dollar-for-dollar dollar everything we raise so if you want to feed a child for a year that's three and a third cents a mile I figured that out being a math guy
0: there you go see I'm a math guy too I figure if I give you a penny a mile that's fifteen dollars so I got grandchildren we got 11 grandchildren I want to get them involved and say why don't you do a penny or a nickel a nickel would be 75 dollars because I'm a math mind (laughs) and but you know I think it's I think it's so exciting on on several levels one is that that you have corporate sponsors from here in this city who's saying let's help rich Becky and Monty get to the Mississippi River and it's several tens of thousands and Otterbox has stepped up and said we'll lead the charge in First National Bank and, and uh, Everett Companies and Poudre Valley Health System and Spradley Motors and it goes on and on. We still have a little ways to go, but, but other people might want to get involved, like with Convoy. How would they, how would they do that? Could, could we have that slide up and you go ahead and say that?
1: Well, there's a, there's a lot of ways to get involved. Obviously, donating is a piece of it, and um, you can go online at our website, richardsride.org, um, and donate there, or you can donate at the Timberline page right. if you're Timberline used to has doing a, that.
0: Timberline has a page where there's a donation section, and if you go to where it says General Fund and scroll down, it'll say Rich's Ride. So if you're used to doing that at Timberline, just do it that
1: way. But there's a lot of other ways to get involved, too. We're still looking for people who might want to ride a few days with us. Um, we can certainly use... Uh, all the prayers we can get especially poor becky who has to organize Boy. this whole thing there you um so if you're interested uh come out see us at the table and find out some ways that you can get involved one of again one of our goals is to share this dream and get as many of you involved in it as we can
0: if you go to the table you'll see rich's bike it's a very cool bike becky you're going to be driving the car you're going to be fixing me you're going to be doing <laughs> I think you need to write a book on marriage when this is done. Well, let's see how it goes first. We've built a house together, Ruth and me. I Anyway, I'm praying big time. for it. Anyway,
1: well, yeah. thank you for the prayers, for sure. Um, but I, I want to say thank you to all of you that have already surrounded us and circling around us to um, bring support in so many ways. Um, Dick has a lot of friends across the country, and he's connecting us with so many people um, for speaking engagements all along the way. If any of you have friends and family along the Mississippi River that you think they might want to hear the message of hope, um, let us know, and we'll get connected with them. But the, the biggest piece is the prayers and praying for those individuals that we'll, we will meet along the way that we don't even know. Um, be praying for their hearts to be prepared to hear a message of hope.
0: That's tremendous. Does Monty have anything to say about this?
1: I'm not sure. Monty. Speak. Monty, do you have anything to say? Speak. Speak. You're not going to do it today. Monty. He's just, he's just going to moon the crowd instead. <laughs>
0: Well, on that note, why don't we pray? (laughs) Let's join our hearts in prayer for the Dixon, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you for this family. Thank you for your heart. Thank you that you are the God of hope. You know what you're up to. You put this in Rich's heart. There are going to be people whose lives are changed along the Mississippi because of this dream. We pray for protection. We pray for safety. We pray for health. We pray for newfound friendships that will absolutely change their lives and have their lives changed and change the world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We get to be a part. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Let's hear it for the Dixon, shall we? That's a million. I I just think that's a phenomenal thing. See, Einstein said it this way. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Because knowledge has limits. Imagination is more important than knowledge because knowledge has limits. And, And hope is like imagination. It's got no limits. It's just out there. It's trust looking forward. It's contagious. It's God's idea. Whether you're a getter of hope or a giver of hope, it's all good. I love this verse from Jeremiah 29:11, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future." I close with this story. I have a friend who's an attorney in San Diego, his name's Bob Goff. He and his wife, whom he calls Sweet Maria, have three children. They are Adam, Richard, and Lindsay. Adam, Richard, and Lindsay are now in college. Adam's going to be a freshman at Pepperdine. Richard is a senior at Pepperdine, and Lindsay's is getting her teacher's degree at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. But on 9-11... Those three were 7 years old, 9 years old and 11 years old. There was no TV at the Goff house, not because they're behind the times. They're very much avant-garde people, very very forward-thinking, very creative, but they said, our kids are small and they don't need a TV. If anything big happens, we'll just tell them. We'll just and we we want to interpret events to them and not have a talking head do that. We'll do that. So they sat down after 9/11 and said this terrible thing has happened. And uh what what can we do? And Bob said, you know, world leaders could help us with this. If they had the right heart, they could help us with this. And he said to the kids, if you had five minutes with any world leader, what would you ask them? And little Adam said, I'd ask him if they could come over for a sleepover. <laughs> Richard said, I'd like to ask him, where do you put your hope? Where do you place your hope? This is a nine-year-old boy. The 11-year-old girl was into video stuff. She said, if they couldn't come over for a sleepover, I'd ask him, can we come to your house and can we videotape what you say and take it to the next leader? The father and mother said, if anybody responds to us, we're going to write him a letter. If anybody responds, we'll get on a plane and go. So they went and rented a post office box in, in uh, San Diego. They went to the CIA website and downloaded all the contact information they could get for all the world leaders, 240-plus nations and protectorates, and these three kids sent them a letter saying, would you come over for a sleepover? If you can't do that, can we come to your house? And by the way, we got this question, where do you place your hope? They started getting responses, no, 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 no. They got 100 responses before they got a yes. And the first yes was from the president of Bulgaria, or the prime minister. Second was from the President of Switzerland, then Israel, then a dictator from a South Asian nation twenty nine yeses they got on plane, and they went and they walked into the to the great hall where the President of Bulgaria was, and he says, "You know, I have been more nervous about this this meeting than if I were meeting President Bush." <laughs> and he said, "When I get nervous, I like to eat and he went. And the doors flew open and the waiters came in with trays of kids food and they had a party. And then they went to Israel and they went to Switzerland. They went to all these nations. And they would have dinner in these fantastic places. These little three kids in little blue blazers and the parents just hanging back being flies on the wall. And at one point, Adam, the little guy, lost control of a meatball and shot it across the table at some prince. And he he deftly speared it with his fork and said, is this that grand American tradition of food fight? Is that what this is? (laughs) Can you imagine what it did to the kids? Can you imagine what hope is instilled in the kids? And at the end of every meeting, they would give the leader, the world leader, the... The nation's leader, a little gold box with a key to their house in it saying, if you ever get to the west coast of California, we'd like you to come stay at our house. Two of them came. Hope is contagious. Hope is instilled. Hope is given away. Hope is what we're about. When we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Bob Goff says it this way. You don't go around the world or in your neighborhood. Don't go to plant a hook. Go to plant your feet. What hope does is it engages you. Whether it's hand cycling down the Mississippi River or taking a pie to a neighbor or just helping somebody in need, that's what hope does. Hope really is unlimited. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Just in this quiet moment, I want to ask one question. There may be some folks here who have never, ever... Hoped in Jesus you've never said or Jesus um, I, I need more than help I need my debt paid I need hope moving forward I need you and with no one looking around you just slip your hand up and say would you include me in the closing prayer deck would you do that you just slip your hand up just hold it up high wherever you are and I'll just see you. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes. Yes, I see you. Yes, way in the back. I got you. You can put your hand down. Yes. In the south, you can hold up your hands too. Yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, I see you. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. I see you. What I'd like us to do together, if you'd be so kind as to join me in prayer, I, I just felt earlier that I was to just pray just a few phrases and maybe you just join me out loud in concert so I'm just gonna pray and let's pray together dear Jesus here we are that's right you know us you know what we need thank you for taking away our sin taking the baggage of our lives and, and helping us be new creations Thank you that you are hope. Thank you for being alive in me, even as I say this.
1: Thank you. In Jesus' name.